Portland is now in its second week of massive demonstrations and protests, with thousands of people in the street every night demanding racial justice in the name of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and so many other black Americans killed by police. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, you'll hear from six community leaders, some who have been active in Portland for decades, and others who are among the newest generation fighting for civil rights. They spoke about how they're doing, what they're feeling, how racism has affected their lives, and whether they have hope that true change is coming. I'm Markayla Ballard. I'm 21. I am from Tualatin, Oregon. And I go to University of Oregon. I want to be a graphic designer. Um, I'm also getting a minor in art history and double majoring with ethnic ethnic studies. I feel like I'm drowning. It's chaos. We're living in a like a revolution. It's we can't like we're living history, and you don't really know how to process that until you look back on it and you're like, damn. <laughs> it's really hard to evenly distribute my attention when there's so many different things stacking up in the world, even with school on top of it. And they're still asking us for like all of the, a ton of discussion posts and whatnot about art. And I don't know, it just doesn't seem very considerate of them to be just piling on this busy work when their students are facing essentially a crisis and seeing the America they know in shambles well I mean the America we know really has always been chaos I noticed just how crazy stuff was uh, my junior year it had been happening for a long 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 time I just decided to start doing something about it on Twitter one night somebody had shared our school homepage that had been edited to say white supremacist high home of the KKK slave auction and lynching highlights like that was all the tabs and our school not only protected the person that did it, but their statement to us personally, just my mom and I was that we don't want to call attention to it because then that will encourage it. But it had the complete opposite effect, needless to say. And I just felt like it snowballed from there that everybody saw, like they set the precedent and that, led to a lot of a lot of racist instances and it just it was it was difficult I feel though like I had a definitely a different high school experience than other students because I was treated like 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 a delinquent I was kind of I don't know, just parents and staff just saw me. They treated me as an adult. Um, I was on first name basis with some of them. And <laughs> and I mean, it, it wasn't for like, they, I feel like they feared me. I held them accountable. And it really sucked though, that it had to be a junior in high school that called all of them out. But I keep saying this, if not me, then who? because it sure as hell wasn't going to be anybody else. I have been trying to prioritize school, and I did organize the Tualatin protest out here. Um, I did go to a vigil last night as well, 
But again, I really, I'm trying to prioritize school. I'm doing what I can to sign petitions and donate all that at home. Um, let, letting my, letting my friends and peers to the, the protesting at the moment in Portland. But once I get my stuff done, I will be out there. It's just been very different. It feels very different. Um, it, I had said when I got up on the bench um, at the protest on Tuesday that I've lived in Tualatin for 14 years and seeing everybody only now have I started to feel at home because when I was met with such, I want to say immature and ignorant behavior um, when I was called to the office at times to apologize for exposing racist people, when I had to sit down with the person that made this racist post and apologize to them for making them feel uncomfortable. All of that, even when I lived it, it's crazy now, but it was so downplayed. Um, It was so undermined and I was made out to be very sensitive. So, or dramatic people just called me a drama queen and it's, or angry that it was so easy to just, Oh, she's just an angry black woman. But rightfully so. Um, I'm, I'm mad. Um, so, yeah, I think, though, that it, that really has made me feel full to see that there are people in my city that do support me because I really felt alone in high school. The protest on Tuesday was a big deal for me. Recently, I've been a little wary though because all of the support I just it's so sudden and it's it seems to be there's a lot of performative activists that are kind of coming out the woodwork it's definitely a very weird time (laughs) um I'm really trying to be optimistic and give benefit of the doubt but there have been people that I'm very wary of and then it makes me think of how how many people are going to be gone when the the clout chasing and the 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 riots that are making history are over where where will they be i'm very optimistic and i i am very naive also when it comes to this kind of thing because i i so so badly want to see the the best in our country our citizens in our allies all of that so i do think that this feels different this feels like something is going to give, but at the same time, we've seen this time and time again, and I would not be shocked if it was just a moment. I am a hundred percent for having productive conversations. I think that that is so valuable, especially given the times. And I think that there are a lot of my brothers and sisters who are, it's a, they've exhausted that wanting to have those conversations they're angry and that rightfully so and I think that I can be the person that will take on that responsibility to have these conversations with people who may be afraid to approach it or who might be ignorant to it but want to learn and however I come across to people I want them to know that it's not backed with anger a lot of people are very intimidated by me I've they just thought oh I thought you hated me no maybe I just have a little RBF but (laughs) 
but no. So I just think I want people to know that I welcome conversations with open arms. That's ultimately what I want to put out there. So. (laughs) My name is Fahima Kwai. I'm known by many as Max Smith. I am 39 years old and I have been living in Portland since 1992. This week I feel anxious. There's a lot of anxiety. It's hard to focus on on things I want to focus on. This week feels uh, pretty heavy. It's a lot of it's a lot of weight kind of flying around. It feels uh, very petty. The things that do need to be addressed are not being addressed. People keep getting killed by police. That's a as a start. That could stop. I know someone just got shot in aggression today. <laughs> you know, that was a white guy. You know, they're shooting white people. You know, it's crazy right now. Um, the police are out of control. Uh, the president's out of control. We've got a lot of things that are just really heavy. And instead, we're arguing about, like, you know, should we be rioting or not? You know, like, of course, people are rioting. Have you seen what's going on right now? It's crazy. You know, people are getting, this cop just, I just watched a video of a cop, like, beating some Australian cameraman with his shield like he was Captain America. I'm like, why do we even have round police shields? Where did those come from? Is Tony Stark making our shields now? Like, what is going on? This doesn't even make sense. Where are they even getting this stuff? You know? And so you, you just, you just look at that and, you know, and people are arguing over, you know, should Kanye still be talking about, you know, MAGA and he's being quiet right now. I don't care if Kanye's quiet right now. I don't care if Kendrick Lamar hasn't commented yet and done a video in the streets. I mean, maybe he's trying to just, just figure out a better way to approach all of this. But um, instead, we're arguing about stuff that doesn't matter because our news cycle has, trained, has really just trained us into having like a six-hour mind. And then it's on to the new thing. You can't even really put a hand on it. You can't even grab the thing before it's a whole new thing and it's a whole new, you know, PR cycle for it and a whole new set of ads and a whole new hashtag you got to learn and a whole new chance you got to learn for, for the next protest. And by the time you organize a protest for Ahmaud Arbery, they've already uh, uh, killed the George Floyd. By the time you uh, figure out that part, they've already uh, killed I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's insane. And then you go out there and you have a list of 50 names you're supposed to know. It's desensitizing. It's, it's just wild. It's just, it's just, and it's not, and the thing is, it's like, just give us justice. When someone does someone wrong, arrest them, if they're a cop or not. And now they're just being even more brazen. It's, it's not even like it's being hidden. We've been doing this since like 2014, like the continuing protest a cycle over a civil rights. And that's not even counting all the other protests with the, the Occupy. I mean, that's been going on forever now. People are tired, but we're still in the streets. So that tells you. That, it, that things are really wrong because Americans don't have this kind of patience. And we're still out here, you know, and it's escalating. That being said, I I still, just the other day, going down the street, I've got a guy in a pickup, you know, screaming out of the, you know, screaming out of his pickup and flipping me off on the street for no reason, you know. And it's just, that kind of stuff is heightened right now. You see, you know, there's a couple of white the guys in the pickup screaming at you, flipping you off in a giant F-250. You don't know what the hell is about to happen next. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be like that. And that's just knowing that I'm out here in like Magaland, Southeast Portland. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of scary. I, I've got four black kids, you know, that's, that's scary. I would like to see some change that happens. I would like to see changes to the uh, police unions. Um, I would like to see us attack those unions and really tear those down. I think that's the key to all of this. Um, you eliminate the unions. You eliminate the need to constantly buy new equipment that we don't need. 
or upgrade to new kinds of equipment that we don't need. I don't have a problem with them having new equipment because I don't want you know the people that are charged to actually uh, protect us running around with uh, muskets. But we could definitely not have like you know flak jackets and tanks running down the streets. That's just a little overkill when I see the tanks. So I would like to see some changes that allow us to take this stuff off the police, take this out of their responsibility, do something to fund them, whatever we have to do, eliminate some of these gang tasks, force activities, and really get them back to doing actual police work and taking care of the community. That's what they're supposed to be doing. But we can't do anything as long as they have these giant chartered unions across the country that are just tearing everything down. So I think if any city can get it fixed, Portland can. And if we can lead the way in showing that that can be done, that could have a real change across the country. Because just the, everyone knows that the buck stops at the unions. I talked to Ted Wheeler in that big room with the big table um, three and a half years ago and talked about how, how he was trying to be a police reform, but there were issues with the union contracts and we can't get police cameras. We can't have body, it's 2020, we don't have body cameras in Portland. Don't throw everybody out, you know. Don't cancel everybody today, but um, definitely pay attention to where the snakes are in the grass. You know, a lot of this is showing itself today. You don't have to act on anything today. That's the most important thing I think from all this is you don't have to act on anything today, but you definitely have to do something. But you don't have to act on anything today. This is Adele Louise Gordley. I'm a native Portlander of uh, 73 years served in the uh, Oregon State Legislature for 17 years. I was um, appointed to a vacancy in the Oregon Legislature in 1991. And then after uh, being encouraged by so many people in the community to run outright for the seat, I did that, and I was on my way to a candidate interview one day, uh, walking along Burnside Street, where the interview was going to take place. So as I'm walking along, a car full of uh, white men passed by, and someone yelled out, where are you going, where are you going? It scared me. And uh, to this day, remembering the experience like it was yesterday, and I'm realizing, too, that whenever I travel along Burnside Street, that memory comes back. It's still there. I, I was saying to a friend the other day, our Achilles heel is that we have allowed mediocrity in leadership roles. We have allowed uh, people who have no business leading uh, anything certainly not in uh, the educational arena, to harm our children, black children. And so, um, again, the folks who have been doing the defining and been doing the uh, deciding around what are the public policy issues that are going to be advanced, they've, they've been so lacking. They've been lacking because you haven't had uh, the lens uh, a, a wide lens of experiences at the table making decisions, and that's got to that's got to change. A lot of the white folks who've enjoyed the privilege of power, being in power, are going to have to move out of the way. 
and let uh, new voices, new and particularly people of color, black folks included, emerge. We're finally reckoning uh, in uh, America, reckoning in America with the uh, damage done uh, to black folk over generations, 400 years. It's like it's, it's all unraveling. It's all unraveling. I think we all see the the same thing. We may describe it in uh, different words, but uh, America's in a free fall right now. And what we're living through is uh, a fa- a failed experiment, which was supposed to be democracy. And we've got just a little bit of time, just a little bit of time left to try to turn this thing around. To say that these are perilous times is just an understatement. Let's take a break. I'm Ernest Warren. I'm 60 years old. I've lived in Portland almost the entire time I was born here. I have a large family here. Uh, I've been a um, practicing attorney since uh, 1989. Well, you know, when is the dream going to be realized? Martin Luther King Jr. said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And that was in 1964. When he died, I can remember protesting on what is now Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in Fremont and how hurt our feelings were that such a man of peace and love was killed for the color of his skin. And it goes so deep. Uh, The depth of it is institutional racism. Let's fast forward from 1968 when Martin Luther King was killed to 2020. And we got George Floyd dead, marginalized. And it's so painful, the pain, the pain. It's like an aggravating pain that never ends. But why is the institution from the street to law enforcement to the jails, why are we always looking at the black person? I walk around with a briefcase and I'm followed for being a black man. If I walk into a court and I've been an attorney for 31 years and the court staff doesn't recognize me with a briefcase and a tie like I'm today, with all these honors on my wall in the back here, um, they say, who's your attorney? And I'm like, this is, this is crazy, you know? And, and so the question, when is it going to stop? When can we find peace? When I win a big trial, is it not newsworthy because I'm a black attorney or is it not newsworthy because we should always convict and we should always um, have a narrative, a narrative that, um, you know, the police are always right. Well, the problem with that is the police are human too. I was fortunate to be raised with an uncle that was a police officer who would accompany me in a truck to make sure my truck driving down I-5 to law school to make sure I got there safely. And that was out of love. He didn't want us to stop in a small town and 
something happened wrong. He didn't want that. So I don't have a bad view of um, law enforcement. I understand the role. What I don't understand is why, you know, why they target black kids in the system, you know, uh, from from the time they get there in kindergarten. It's it, it really hurts. It really hurts to see the cycle continue worldwide. And it's, I mean, it's it's bad. You know, I I, I talked to Governor Brown and I, I uh, um, Kate Brown, and I told her, I said, you know, my grandfather in the '40s came up here to escape the Ku Klux Klan. And her comment was, well, you know, there's a whole bunch of them up here in Oregon. And there's a, you know, that was sobering for me, but true, you know, all we have to do is go back with the hand of time to the late sixties and seventies. No, it feels no different. It still is sad. You know, you go through stages of life. I mean, these young kids have it right. They're saying not the, not the, not the vandals. That's not it. Um, You know, I mean, that's not it. That's that's really bad to go and destroy other people's property. You know, it, it's it's funny. I've been seeing videos of, of of black people videotaping white people vandalizing this stuff. You know, and they're so upset. They're so well, don't do that. That's not what we're trying to do. They're trying to go back to uh, Martin Luther King for the last seven years. I've tried to mentor gang members through Multnomah County Courts. I have. It's a tough job. It's a tough job to talk to them kids that are so disenfranchised from reality to the point that the schools have put them down. And then, and then you go in there and you try to say, hey, there's a better way. Look, I'm, I'm a professional. I came from the, the streets of Portland just like you. And they're like, my God, I've never seen anybody like you before. I never knew you existed. You're an alien. It can't be true. 20 years from now, man, I sure hope this is over. I really do. I mean, I mean, we got it. We got laws that are not enforced. You know, it's, it's, you know, it, it says nobody should be discriminated against because of their race, their color, their national origin, their religion, their mental, their physical handicap or heritage, and, and and am I the only one? I mean, that that's doing it as a business. You know, the the Portland Business Journal did a survey two years ago, and from day one till now, we're still number one as a small business that's fully diverse. And that's a shame. That's a real shame. So there's an econ- so the the worst part about it is not only the social part, but the economic part. Let's don't do business with the black man because we need to keep all the money for ourselves. And maybe you should be aware of the studies from MIT and elsewhere that says diversity, firms that are more diverse are more profitable. You know, that's how I feel about it. I'm glad to get it off my chest. You you brighten my day. And uh, you're my brother. It doesn't matter what color you are. If you want to discriminate against red or yellow, black or white, Jewish, Muslim, or whatever, 
that's the people I don't like. And, and, you know, that's just the people. I, I don't like that. You know, that's just, there's something evil and insidious about hating somebody you don't even know. You know, we're afraid of each other. We're afraid. My name is Laquita Lanford. I am 43 years old. I'm not originally from Oregon, but I've lived here on two occasions. I've lived here in my 20s. I didn't think I would move back to Portland, and I did in 2014. People call me an activist, advocate, so many different things because of just who I am and how I show up for my people and my community. No matter where my community is, that's how I show up. And it has been clear to me in the last 18 months, well, 2018 to up until the beginning of the year that I've been contemplated about if I want to continue putting a lot of energy into what I'm doing here. And it's not because I don't feel like it's relevant or it makes sense. It's just like with this movement, I don't feel comfortable with white folks screaming and yelling through the streets of Portland that Black Lives Matter in this moment because our lives have always mattered. It mattered last week, the week before, during this quarantine, and no one was really reaching out. I'm just taking a different approach. I am very pissed off, and I am angry. As a black woman, an indigenous woman, I am very, very angry, and I'm disappointed in, a, I'm in, in America. I'm disappointed in our reactions and our responses to um, what have historically been going on because we come too far to go back but we continue it's like they're taking us all the way back I don't feel like there's any change that's going to um, you know take place right away but I do feel like more people are aware of what's been going on because of through media like all the different streams of media we're in the information age and we can get information out like that. And we can report and share our own stories rather than having someone else share our stories. Because that's what's been happening through Rodney King, Martin Luther King, like so many of our great leaders that were standing up for themselves and black, you know, black men and black people. I'm a healer. And so my strategy is healing what the root of this cause is, which is a sickness in, 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 in white America. Like it's an infection, which is what brought us to this point of a pandemic that we're still in, in this moment. Portland, Oregon, Oregon itself has a DNA of racism, period. So I don't feel like things are going to change. There's a lot of talk and I've been here for seven years and have heard a lot of talk and been in a lot of conversations and people are still reaching out to me for conversations. So, you know, I, we have a housing crisis. That's my focus. People that are on the streets that have been on the streets 
that are suffering while during this pandemic. And then we have extra ingredients to that. Last week, Friday, I was going through some media stuff and I saw, and while I was listening to what Commissioner Hardesty and the CEO of Urban League of Portland, which are two black women, and some of their statements and phrases around black people not showing up or why we don't show up to protest. This is what Commissioner Hardesty said because of the the audience that was there in that moment. And I wasn't there. So I'm like, that's not why I'm not showing up to protest. I've been showing up to protest. And protesting for me doesn't necessarily mean I need to be in the streets because I was in the streets with Teresa Rayford in 2014 for four months screaming Black Lives Matter and I can't breathe and hands up, don't shoot, PDX. For months, months, first time, I'm 43 years old now. I was in my mid-30s. I've always been radical, but I took my pain and I figured out what can I do to heal myself, my family, and then I'm learning more. And so that kind of triggered me of us not being there because sometimes we're just not invited. I'm Stephen Green. I am 42 years old. I've been in Portland all of my life. And by day, I'm the director of operations for Pencil Inc. Uh, I think uh, the feelings, you know, vacillate a lot. You know, if you, you ask me an hour from now, it'll, it'll probably be a different answer. Um, but it's, it's, it's some, you know, amalgamation of uh, anger, disgust, fear. Uh, if I'm being honest, but, but also, you know, it's all tinged in, in hope, hope that there'll be change after this, as opposed to, I think history has taught us that the marches will happen for a little while and people will put things back together again. And then we'll, we'll come back to the spot, you know, six months from now, 12 months from now, three years from now, but a, a small hope of, will this be the, the, the tipping point? The biggest thing that gives me hope is, is really young folks. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing to see so many young folks of all creeds, colors, um, you know, really stepping into their voice. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not someone that you'll see, you know, out marching in the streets, but uh, to see the folks that, that have been showing up um, and the numbers that they've been doing it is, is, is humbling. You know, for me, I'm a, I'm a six foot one, 230 pound black brown man here in Portland. And when, when stuff goes bad, uh, it generally would, would go bad for me first. Um, and I was, I was raised with one rule from my, my Latinx mom and my black father, and that's come home. Uh, and, and so for me, you know, my, the best thing I can do for my family is, is, is to be home here. Um, my other big reason is, you know, I've got a, a mom. Um, that's by herself and I, I check in on her a lot and you know COVID is a very real thing right now and I, I don't want to risk any sort of situation where I could get her sick. There's a lot of different ways to protest and just because someone's not out in the street doesn't doesn't mean they're not protesting in in their own way. Um, so you know if, if you're watching people walking down the street you know figure out what whatever your your way to be involved in is, and it doesn't have to necessarily be that. Um, but 
you know, I, I hope they take away that this is a, a pivotal point in time. This is going to be one of those points in time where we're going to 20, 30 years from now call back and say, you know, 2020, that was, that was the, the, the tipping point um, to whatever was after that. Um, and I, and I, and I hope people realize that, that, that is what's, what's, what's going down right now. I, I think what we're seeing right now is there's a, a, a broader inclusion into the reality of being a, a black man in, in the United States. Um, but, you know, I've been well aware of that for the last 42 years. <laughs> uh, and so the, the conversations with my, with my son haven't changed. Um, you know, I, I think what maybe is changing right now is, you know, there's more white fathers having conversations with their sons and understanding hopefully the, the role that they, they play and, and what privilege uh, looks like and feels like and how it manifests and um, how it, how it's wielded. Two of my roommates from college are, are, are black police officers here in, in Portland and, you know, growing up, uh, on the west side of town, uh, I was always hyper aware uh, to my presence around the law. Um, I, I've I've pretty much been the exact same six foot, two hundred something pound person since I was twelve years old. Um, and so my my parents were always, you know, I, I'm not someone that puts someone at ease when I'm in their presence. Uh, and so I, I've always been very very cautious about making sure I do that when I'm in the presence of law enforcement. Um, you know, I had, I had one incident when I was, when I was younger, when I was 13. Uh, but other than that, my overwhelmingly, the, the, the interactions that I've had with police officers have been, uh, overwhelmingly positive. Um, so I'm, I'm lucky to be able to say that. The biggest thing is just, you know, extend people grace and, and let people, you know, deal with this and, and, and cope with this the, the, the best way that they can. Um, you know, I, th- I think we have to be really, really protective of our of our mental state, even um, before uh, the things happened with 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 George Floyd's murder. I think people were already in a really touchy spot, and so you know, I, I'm I'm really hoping people are mindful of their of their mental state, and you know, listening to their their inner voice and their inner gut of what they should do, and just because you know someone says you need to go do something doesn't mean it's the best thing for you. Um, and, and to also put, put things in proper perspective that, that this too shall pass. Um, and, and I'm hopeful for what that past looks like. And, and I always want to think there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel, but you gotta, you gotta do what you can to, to survive, um, when, when it's really, really dark. Um, and, and, you know, also understand that we don't do anything in our, in our lives by ourselves. I think that's one of the other big things I see you know, watching the the protests is seeing these masses of people come together in a pandemic. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're human beings that we need to be around other people. And, and that's where our, our, our sanctuary is. Um, and that's, and that's definitely playing out. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. A quick note, Fahim Akwai, the journalist and activist we spoke with, was one of 20 people arrested in Friday's protests. Police said he was arrested for interfering with a police officer, a misdemeanor. Akwai said he was tackled by a cop while he was helping people outside the protest who had run from gas dispersed by police. 
If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps others find the program. Until next time.